need to get my energy up. I'm in like Zen sun nap. Come on. <laughs> Just yell <Yeah>. really loud. <laughs> That's how it works. A primal scream right into the mic for everyone. Yeah, you should. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, you just. Mute it for about fifteen seconds. Primal scream and then come no, back also and just leave it unmuted because that way I can be like, ah, that's 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 the intro. Just <laughs> primal scream. <laughs> that would actually lure me in. I'd be like, okay, this is yeah. weird. I like it. Oh man, it's crazy. We got all kinds of weird on this podcast. That's for sure. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Health Unfiltered podcast. My name is Brooke and today I am joined by my co-host, just one. We've got Ro here today. What's up, Ro? Oh God, I'm going to have to be Nicole too. It's like, oh, let me just turn on my softy side, I guess. Uh, hmm. No, but yeah, we have a guest here too. You so, you know, it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm yes. all right. We're missing Nicole today. Um. Yes, I'm glad you're doing well. We're missing Nicole today because she is under the weather and she is in full sleep hibernation mode. So we're going to let her get better and send her well wishes. But we do have an amazing guest to here today. If I could talk, that'd be great. How are you, Natalie? <laughs> hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, I do miss Nicole as well, but um, <laughs> sending her lots of loving and healing wishes for sure. It's already too woo-woo. The podcast Absolutely. is too woo-woo. <laughs> step outside. I don't know. Get some sun. That's it. <laughs> Rose are like, he's the one who keeps us grounded. Like, I have no you're, uh, you're the balance point. Oh, yeah. Mm. hate it. I hate this shit. No. Uh, it's good. So I'm going to be on the other end of the Natalie. spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. I love it. Exactly. Sorry if I interrupt. I feel like I have a little bit of lag. I'm on my, like, Costa Rican internet. So listeners, bear with yeah. me as... I make do, um, but I want to introduce Natalie real quick before we jump into the podcast. So Natalie is a friend. We met about, we met over a year ago. It's been a really long time. Mm -hmm. We met over a year ago. Yeah. Um, and Natalie is a registered dietitian also, and she has over 10 years of experience. She's the CEO and founder of Revived Roots, which is an autoimmune wellness company that's really built on the principles of functional medicine and yoga. Her mission is to empower people through personalized nutrition and holistic health practices to become their own health advocates so that they can live vibrant, purposeful, and meaningful lives with ease and confidence, which is so important. And I'm so happy you're here to have the conversation we're going to have today. Yeah, thank you. I am as well. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me get in there. Yeah, and I think it's it really does date back a year. Maybe it was January of 2020. Dang. That was the first time we met um, in person, January 2021, at the conference, I think. But then we have been in... Um, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I'm getting all messed up. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> it's 2021, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, years stop changing after 2019. Like, 2020 is the same as 21. It's, <laughs> it's the same the as same. 22. Like, yeah. <laughs> Copy, paste, yeah. Like, it's just like love. Groundhog's Day and the temperature changes a little bit. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's like a, a terrible remake uh, is what it sounds like. <laughs> so what are y'all drinking today? Is anyone drinking booze? Are we having fun tea? What are we doing? 
Well, you know, I didn't want to because it's 11 a.m. my time. Uh, but then Brooke was like, yeah, like I'm going to be not drinking and I'm sure Natalie's not. And I was like, oh, my God, dude. So it's work for me, you know, and so I'm like, I got to show up <laughs> to work hilarious. and I got to drink and like. <laughs> it's just part of like the job that sometimes you don't want to do, but I want to do it. So. Committed to the craft. Yeah, man. really. And it's it's funny. If you look to my, like if you could look at my desk, I have a mix between uh, energy drinks, water, and beer now because um, that's all I've been <laughs> drinking this morning. So uh, yeah, we got a rough week ahead of us, but cheers. I'm drinking. Uh, <laughs> this is by uh, Pyatt Brewing Company in Idaho. It's called mm. Sofa King Sunny. So Sofa King Sunny, it's a hazy pale ale. Um, it's a, it mm. kind of tastes more like a blonde than a pale ale, but uh, I really like it. This was my last can, so I was like, I'll save it for the podcast. Um, so, uh, you know, cheers to Perfect. cheers to you all. I'm drinking. Cheers. cheers. So that's from – is that based in McCall, Idaho, where Payette Lake is? Um, I don't know where in Idaho. Um, mm. It's in Boise. Where it says Boise, it's okay, yeah, cool. So, so Payette Lake is actually in McCall, Idaho, which is one of my favorite towns in this country. Um, random, that's why yeah. I saved it. Yeah. I knew I knew it was your favorite, so I was like, you know what, let's bring <laughs> it on for Natalie. Yeah. The, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. And the lakes, just generally in Idaho, the lakes are these like really beautiful, crystal clear, ice cold lakes, and mm -hmm. you can be up to your nose in water and you can glance down and still see your toes. Like there's no silt or murkiness. Wow. It's so beautiful. It's like glacier lakes and whatnot. Yes. Well, yeah. I'll see you all there. I'm going to go uh, now. <laughs> so, yeah, so cheers. Yeah. What about you, Natalie? Are you drinking anything? Well, what are you drinking? I guess. Mm -hmm. What am I drinking? Um, I am definitely a proponent of liquids, so I always have a variety going on. Um, but today I'm drinking what's called Rasa coffee. So it's a blend of different adaptogenic herbs. And I have a splash of raw milk, um, some ghee, some honey, and some Redmond salt inside of it. Um, and I also have water, of course. <laughs> nice. Always. Yeah. yeah. That was a lot of ingredients. That sounds amazing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the ingredients go on. So Rasa has like <laughs> maybe, like... I don't know, 10 or 15 ingredients inside of it. And so... Um, it's just like a nice way. It, it's very much a coffee alternative, I should say, is like it brews like coffee. It has a very similar aroma. The taste is very similar, although it is a bit more earthy. Hmm. So it's something that, you know, if you want to get this calm energy throughout the day without bringing caffeine in, then it's it's a great alternative. And that's, that's Ooh, different. I'm, I'm all about 300 milligrams caffeine, bomb it. You're good to go yeah. for the whole day, you know. That's, that's more my vibe then. No. <laughs> well, coffee, coffee's my jam, but that's like a morning beverage, right? No, I think it's been any time, you know. It's, it's like... Rose, been what kind of tea do you have for Brooke? school stuff? Um, oh, I'm mm. drinking chamomile, just like a straight up chamomile mm. tea. It's amazing, and I've also got water. Um, so I am always hydrated, and I'm cutting back on caffeine trying to mm. trying to support some healthy adrenals for my own protocols mm -hmm. um and so i like i saw rose story rose the other day and it was just like stacks of like stacks of stacks of stacks of like energy drinks and like no, all just, these yeah. things and i was like <laughs> uh, my body like hurts just thinking yeah. about what your body is going through right well, now like, while you it's, study it's definitely not like my norm you know i i wake up normally i don't have coffee and it's whatever but when it's time to like 
mm-hmm. hustle and bustle. I'm like pounding shit, just like, and mostly I think it helps with. I I don't have any sort of like diagnosed ADD or ADHD, but I'm mm. not disciplined uh, at all. So having caffeine allows me to just kind of be like, well, I'm focused now. Like here we go. So <laughs> mm. yeah, but it was a lot. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, I had two in the morning, and I have one here, and I have another one. And Brooke was like, oh my god. It's like, hey, it's time to work. To tell you. What's your go-to energy drink? Uh, amino energies from Optimal Nutrition. <laughs> yeah, it's like got okay. electrolytes and caffeine and whatever and no sugar. So uh, mm-hmm. I actually got hooked on it by being with Evan um, when I was with the Cardinals because that's all they drink. So I was like, I guess this is what I'm drinking now. So mm. and they get a nice little discount. So that always helps. But, <laughs> yeah. Always nice. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's what that's what I'm drinking. Brooke, you might enjoy this little tidbit of information. Um, back in university, before I was a functional medicine enthusiast, um, I actually my college job was working for Red Bull. Awesome! And Did you hand no, out the cans? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the Red Bull girls uh, all over the place. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. those. They're incredible. It was an incredible job, and I made some amazing friendships. And in fact, my best friend, who I live with here in Central Texas, is someone that I met through that Red Bull job. Um, yeah, so it's, it's funny in retrospect um, because you won't see one come anywhere close to to me or like being ingested <laughs> by me. But at one point in time, it played a really big role in my life. I love Red Bulls. The sugar-free that ones I used funny. to like. Fun facts about Natalie. Bam. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that one not many people know. So uh, <laughs> there we go. Tune in for more secrets of Natalie. <laughs> awesome well we do have a question of the week this week for professor rowboat as i like to call him i've never called him that before but now i'm going to Um, (laughs) i I just started getting into fitness i keep hearing about how cardio kills gains should i stop running if i'm trying to get stronger yeah it's a good question um i think we get it at least two or three times a year and it's the beginning of the year. So people are always like, what do I do? You know? Um, Mm. I think the, the important part of this question is uh, I just started getting into fitness, right? So, Hey, why are you worried about that? (laughs) Just focus on doing what you enjoy doing. Like the main thing is that as long as you are continuing to be consistent or at least Mm -hmm. you are consistent and you're enjoying what you're doing, then you can, it's you're gonna last longer in in a in the health world that you just entered, I guess. Um, but I mean, I think it's important to touch on that. Like, there's there's a thing called the interference effect, and it's essentially like when you look at molecular pathways. Uh, when you run, you have like an increase in certain things that will uh, decrease the um, the way that muscle is hypertrophied. So through the mTOR pathway. And if you've listened to this podcast before, uh, I talk a lot about the mTOR pathway and PGC1 alpha and all these things that are just nerd things that really don't matter to the normal person. Um, But that's how it like it affects it. Right. Uh, But what's important to note is that like, even if there is a bit of an effect, it doesn't last long, like maybe an hour. And then after that, you can still have your increases in that mTOR pathway. So you can still have increases in muscular hypertrophy. So it's not something to worry about from that standpoint. Now, when you look practically at it, like 
if your main goal is to lift muscle or sorry, gain muscle, lift weights, um, and be like more of a, a gym rat or like weightlifting enthusiast than it is to be a runner, then it would make sense for you to focus more, if not most of your energy on that. So, you know, are you going to do cardio before going for some heavy squats? Probably not because then your legs will be tired, right? Like we only have so much energy and like from a physiological standpoint, right? You only have so much ATP that you can expend before your uh, muscles get tired. So why would you go in kind of half-baked already expecting to get like really good results from your lifting? Um, That being said, like you can run or do cardio afterwards. It's not going to really affect it and it actually might improve it. And if you're like, hey, well, I want to do both, then separate them by a day. Or if you are like, I don't have seven days a week to train. I only have my three days, but I have, but I can train twice a day, then do your cardio in the morning and then do your lifting at night or, and where there's enough time separated between them to where you won't have like any sort of overlapping. Um, so yeah, the main thing is being like, if you just started, stop focusing on that. Just get to work, focus on being consistent. If it's really important to you or pick which one's more important to you and focus on that. And then it's not like a huge thing you should be worrying about unless you're some like professional professional yeah so that's my answer to that nice i love it and i love to hear more (laughs) people getting started oh yeah Mm -hmm. 100 i think you make some good points row of just like when you're getting started just do whatever you enjoy and let that momentum build and then you can refine down the road but Right now, enjoy the process and build that consistency. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, so we've kind of alluded to a little bit about what we're talking about. Um, but today, Natalie is here because we're going to talk about autoimmunity and how prevalent it is, which is very prevalent and talking about some of the root cause underlying things and how, how does it happen? And then what can you do about it? And having a conversation about how Natalie works with clients and the various different ways she helps people work through this process. Um, and I'm really, really excited to have this conversation. So I want to kick it off with kind of the most basic understanding. Yes. Um, I want to kick it off with the most basic understanding of just like what is autoimmunity? Like, let's define that. And actually, how prevalent mm-hmm. is this for people? Yeah, really, really good question. So we'll start with the basics. So autoimmunity is the result of a breakdown in the immune system. So instead of our body protecting itself from foreign invaders, it turns its attention on its own tissues and begins to attack those. However, I like to really refer to this as a confused state versus um more like a betrayal state, right? And this can happen because protein structures within viruses and pathogens are very similar in structure or appearance to those of our own tissues. And so um, with that confusion, as well as autoantibody formation, and then having a compromised regulatory system in the um, leg of the immune system, we set ourselves up for autoimmunity. Yeah. 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 Um, You can go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) No, what's your question? No, I I just think like it, I just, you know, want to know more because so much of it it is like built on all the choices that we make (laughs) throughout the day. Yeah. 
So much of it. You really have like three primary, you know, components. You have genetics, you have environmental triggers, and you have diet and lifestyle. And so genetics is really only one third of your risk factor for autoimmunity. And and that really comes into like we start looking at epigenetics, and that's where environmental triggers come in, and then the diet and lifestyle. Now, environmental triggers can be things like um, chemicals, right? Herbicides, pesticides, things in your environment. It can be um, um, like toxin exposure. It could be viruses that you've been exposed to or infections you may have had. So there's a variety there. And then inside of diet and lifestyle, I find this to be the most powerful you know, category because it's the most modifiable and it's where you right. really get your power. And in the realm of epigenetics, we look at your diet and your lifestyle really dictate 90 or 95% of expression of disease in the body. So I find it to be quite fascinating that so many of these autoimmune conditions are deemed incurable, but in reality, so much of your power is based in those modifiable, you know, factors that can really help you go into remission and and completely change the quality of your experience. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. I think and we do look at it, like when you stuff, talk to you know experts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, go I think ahead. it's so important too that you have the mindset of like having the mindset of I can heal my body. I can work with my body. Mm-hmm. This is not like a doomed diagnosis. Like that's so important. Totally. It's, it is the backbone, Brooke, you nailed it. Like placebo effect, right? <laughs> if we don't yeah. believe in what we're doing, then it's highly likely what we're doing is not going to work for us. And on the contrary, if we believe that our body is this wildly, you know, or it's like wildly capable of radical healing, then we can absolutely achieve that. It may take time and experimenting and all that good stuff. But in reality, if you believe it, by all means, you can achieve it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that kind of also goes to what we were just talking about, uh, about getting started exercising, right? It's like getting started Mm. healing yourself or doing things that are going to positively impact you in the future. So like, yeah, maybe five, like you said, it takes some time, five, seven years. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Some people spend their whole life trying to figure out kind of what's wrong. And but like wouldn't you rather try figuring it out than being like, yeah, so for 40 years, I just like live with this shit and it was <laughs> terrible. And you're like, oh, okay, well, had you started 40 yeah. years ago, maybe trying to change some things could have been a little mm-hmm. different. But Absolutely. And I think there's this massive awakening of people realizing that they do have a say-so. But even looking back to my own experience, which I know we'll get into my story, but I thought I was incurable and never once did I think making any changes would help my experience. Right. That just all happened happenstance. <laughs> you know, it was a byproduct of curiosity. And um, yeah, I think that people really need to be given permission to make changes. And they may not even realize that that's an option for yeah. themselves. And on the contrary, like when we talk about just, um, you know, the prevalence, right? I mean, most people, or I guess I should say, there's actually a stat to this, 45% of people who are diagnosed with pretty chronic autoimmune conditions are labeled as hypochondriacs for the first, <laughs> yeah. you know, five or 10 years of their experience. Yeah. Right. I think we had yep. a, it took me personally years to get a doctor mm. and to find a team that was like, Oh, like, cause it was this thing of I'm presenting metabolically very healthy and I'm being told mm-hmm. over and over again, your labs look normal. Everything's fine. I'm like, Everything's not fine. And it was like, um, yeah. yeah. So So I got really ignored 
it was awful. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing that Mm -hmm. is really important that we empower people to advocate for your health. If you're in tune with what's going on in your body and something doesn't feel right, trust Mm -hmm. it. Yep. And keep pushing Mm -hmm. forward until you figure it out. Absolutely. And also remembering that we as practitioners work for you whether it's your doctor, your therapist, your dietitian, et cetera. And you have the ability to fire us or to tell us what it is that you <laughs> yeah, want, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, so important. So if you're working <laughs> with a doctor who has you on 12 medications and they're telling you they're not, you can't live without these and X, Y, and Z, it's like, screw you, man. I'm going to find some other specialist that's willing to help me because I know that my body can heal. Yeah. Yeah, it's also different when, you know, Start with insurance too, right? Because you're like, well, they're in my network and that's about it. And you're like, oh, fuck. Screw insurance. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whole episode on that. I was was on my phone trying to check back to see what episode it was. Um, Episode 20, we had uh, Amy Wareham uh, come on and talk about how like her experience of living with MS and like how Mm. she was going from doctor to doctor being like something is wrong and they're like, Yes, it might yes. be, but we don't know what it is. And it just took her so long to like figure things out. And when yeah. she figured things out, like things got worse. And then it's like, how are they going to mm-hmm. get better? And blah, blah. And it's just like so much of it. And that was someone who was like fighting for herself and being like, I know. And it still took her mm-hmm. a long time. So like, I don't know if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, maybe that's me. Like I just keep fighting because it's <laughs> like more power to you all. Like, Absolutely. you know, luckily, I guess so far I haven't been diagnosed with anything like that. So I, I have... A lot of empathy and sympathy for people that are like, my body just doesn't work in some way. And I'm like, well, I just had 800 grams of caffeine and I'm all right. So uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's different. It's, it's difficult. So um, yeah, keep advocating for yourself. I love that. 100%. I'm, that's, that's my jam, being your own health advocate, which we'll probably talk more <laughs> about. Um, but I do want to come back to your question, yeah. Brooke, and um, just say, you know, when we look at the growing Uh, prevalence of autoimmunity, especially here in America, we do see about a 12.5% increase in diagnoses each year, which is pretty drastic. And currently, yeah, currently there's about two times the amount of Americans with autoimmune disease versus cardiovascular, and about four times the amount of those with cancer. Wow. Yeah. And and of that, 78 to 80% are women. It's because you guys are the autoimmune. You just autoimmune. You're just wrong. Like <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I think this can go really deep of just I like wonder. generally living. <laughs> I yeah. could go so deep in why I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think most of it yeah, comes I, from I, like I, women I mean, not I just being diagnosed. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel. Man, I if I like. Well, I think candidly, maybe it'd be men something aren't with as, like. like yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe men aren't quite as, like, in touch, too, with, like, oh, I don't feel well, and I'm feeling something's off my body. Maybe that intuition, they kind of just shove it aside and press forward. Like, maybe there's a little piece of that. And then also, I would say, um, the way women live our lives and some of the pressures we face Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a lot of the things we take and we put in our bodies. And, like, we're the generation who's been on birth control Mm -hmm. since the time we started bleeding. Like, there's probably Mm -hmm. a lot of different stuff Mm -hmm. to unpack there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd speculate the same. It's just living in a, like that very highly masculine go, go, go Love energy. And again, like wearing tons of makeup that are endocrine disruptors and just 
there's so many toxins that we are exposed to just to try and be beautiful and to keep up and to be equal <laughs> to that masculine state. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that the way that we're living is not a very balanced way for, for the feminine state. For sure. And then also to, like as a researcher, like it, it's just so much easier for whatever reason, I'm air quoting easier to like research men than it is women. And so it's like, yeah, this works for us. And so, um, you know, you guys, good luck. <laughs> Figure <laughs> it so out. True. Yeah. So that that's a huge part of it as well, where you're like, yeah, you know, we didn't see any problems with the men taking this. And it's like, well, yep. half the women are like getting some really serious symptoms. And it's like, well, then figure it out. Eat more vegetables. You're like, okay, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Pretty much. I will say too, um, just in the realm of autoimmunity, that I find it so fascinating because there are, you know, maybe 140 or so identified autoimmune conditions, and there's more that are speculated to be autoimmune in nature. But um, with that, you know, they can all have the same origin, which we'll talk about here in a bit. However, they present differently based on your genetic vulnerabilities. Yeah. So you can be working with someone who has MS, you can work with someone who has Hashimoto's or um, Crohn's, et cetera. And to work with each of those conditions, it's a pretty similar pathway. Of course, personalized to the person, but the framework is pretty similar. Yes. And I know we're going to deep dive into that more in a minute too, but before we do get into more juicy science, nitty gritty details, I want you to share your story, Natalie. And like, what was your personal journey like and how did that inspire you then to make this your career helping people? Yeah, I really love sharing my story. So thanks for asking. Um, I think it's a place for people to feel understood, right. And to have a point of resonance. So um, when I was a really young girl, I was about three years old, and I was diagnosed with asthma. And my condition was so severe that I was deemed incurable and told that I would be, you know, dependent upon medication for the remainder of my life. Wow. And for me, asthma really was the most normal state, right? And so I never questioned it. Now, around 2007, when I was transitioning into university, my dad was undergoing uh, quite a few uh, very significant gut surgeries. And so I wanted to see if there's a way that I could help him. That was kind of like one of the leading decision or like factors in my decision to study nutrition. And also my grandmother growing up was always in my ear talking to me about like paying attention to food quality. And she had this like nutrition filter on her decisions, but she was the only person in my life who did. And so it stood out. And um, so yeah, that really guided me to start studying nutrition. I was did my undergrad at TCU. And during that experience, it was so enlightening because I started playing around with all these different fad diets that were out there. And to my great surprise, my severity of symptoms was less and the frequency was less as well. So mind you, I was doing breathing treatments eight months of the year, two times a day at a minimum. Oh, and there were days where I would use my rescue inhaler 10 to 20 times in a day. So this was just like constantly pumping medications into my system. So with that reduction, I was like, what is happening, right? It was very, <laughs> very so attention-getting for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was still having asthma attacks, right? That was for sure still happening, but it was just less severe, right? So by making these certain dietary changes with whatever diets I was following, um, and we can really go into that. That's a whole different leg of the conversation. 
Um, I just, it really got my interest, right? And around the same time, I was introduced to yoga, actually after a very intense, um, like 17-hour asthma attack that I experienced. Um, a friend of mine took me to a yoga class, and that was where I was introduced to this concept of conscious breathing. Mm. And up until that moment, I had never once taken a deep breath, and I was pretty much living in the sympathetic nervous system response for the entirety of my life, right? It was very emotional. <laughs> I cried. <laughs> um, but so, and I really, I mean, if I am honest about it, I do credit yoga with my getting off of medication nine years ago and being able to really separate from that dependency because it gave me the ability to access that parasympathetic state. And it also taught me how to regulate my breathing, which with asthmatics, you see a very dysregulated breathing pattern. So when I would have any asthma or like, you know, breathing issues after that, I would breathe in a very particular way before taking my medication. And I started to realize that I could actually out-breathe that experience. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was kind of that. And then when I graduated university in 2011, I became a dietitian at the young age of 22. And um, I was really quickly introduced to functional medicine. And this is a very pivotal moment in my career as well as in my life. Uh, changed everything about my perception of health and nutrition and reality, really. <laughs> so very pivotal. And um, I owe all that to a dear friend of mine named Allie Miller, who is a dietitian based in Austin. And yeah, so from that, I worked um, through Allie, actually, she got me a job working with a physician in Houston, and we were doing weight loss through ketosis. This is back in like 2011 to 2013. And um, it was a really wonderful career. Like I learned so much, but I also drove myself into a very early burnout <laughs> and then ended up leaving and traveling for like six or seven months uh, before coming back and opening up Revived Roots. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then Revived Roots has just been an evolution. You know, it's gone from just basic nutrition coaching to very personalized, um, yeah, very personalized coaching. You know, it's it's been fun to watch it evolve as I evolve. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about being in private practice is like it's a direct reflection of who you are and where you are. Uh, it's, it's really fun. Wow. I love that. Mm-hmm. I got chills when you were telling your story. That's so cool. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, going back to your the first time you took like a, a deep breath. <clears throat> so I know that um, speaking like uh, really just down to the to the muscle and and like how our kinetics work or whatever. When you took that like first deep breath, did you like feel like your your hips open up and like your your lower abdomen kind of like fill out? Mm. For, you know, because like we've talked about on the podcast before, where so much of like lower back pain or like just improper movements come from like yeah we're not like breathing into our bellies and we're not like really Mm -hmm. opening up or getting into those like cavities where like air can like push muscle into and whatnot like you know obviously like i'm sure you experience a lot of spiritual and mental stuff like from a physical side like Mm -hmm. how how was that different being able to like breathe for the first time um so mine was all in the rib cage Mm. right so it was so wild. I even, I chased this feeling and I know I'll never get it again, but it's like, it's like drugs. it felt like, yeah, it was so wild because like you're twisting and you're breathing, right? Or like just expanding the rib cage and you could feel, or I could feel all of these like 
crackles <laughs> through my rib cage and it felt like all these spider webs were being cleared so visceral and i mean around my entire rib yeah. cage it was very trippy and i got that you know for the first few months of practicing so I ended up becoming obsessed with yoga, guys. I did it twice a day, <laughs> every day while living in, wow. in um, Fort Worth. And then I ended up becoming trained and certified and did like years of, of training and all this stuff. But yeah, I it was definitely all through my rib cage. Gotcha. Very wild experience. Yeah. Because I know like yeah. after after my back surgery, like breathing into like my lower mm. abdomen was always so difficult. And hmm. even sometimes oh, now I'm that. just like, oh man, I got to take a deep breath and like, I'll just feel like my spine kind of do that same thing where it's like the cobwebs are like, oh, all right, thank you. Like we just needed that like little love for a second and now I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And like sometimes I'll sit here just take a deep breath and I feel like into, I mean, there's like, I had a voice teacher who would say like breathe into your balls. And so like I think about that a lot because I'm just like mm-hmm. pushing all this air down and being like, yeah. oh, I feel much better now. <laughs> like that's all yeah. it took was just like a really, really deep, deep breath. And so, you know, you having the inability to do that and then finally you have the ability to ability i just wanted to know like what your body was like at that point in time that was it that was it i remember when i sat up i looked around and i'm like crying right and i just look at some of the people next to me and saying do you guys breathe like this all the (laughs) time time. yeah (laughs) like is this this is something like this is incredible you know wild amazing yeah So I want to talk about kind of the journey of diagnosis and what that looks like Mm. for someone with autoimmune and for us to kind of take a deep dive. So what do you see happen for clients on their journey of finding a diagnosis for an autoimmune condition and after? Like, what do you, what does that evolution Mm. look like for others that you've seen? Yeah. Um, So when I look at my clients, um, primarily I see the beginning stages is a lot of confusion maybe even a lot of fear, feeling quite disconnected from their bodies, feeling like their body is betraying them. And um, I see them running around from specialist to specialist trying to get answers. Um, and then what, like we just talked about, they're being told you're crazy, your labs are normal. And in reality, their doctors just aren't asking useful questions and they're using outdated biomarkers. So they're not really supporting these clients in the best way possible. But Anyways, it's just that a lot of that running around in circles, and I find that the lack of diagnosis or that uncertainty actually creates more stress in the system, which can perpetuate um, their symptoms or whatever they're experiencing. But after the diagnosis, what I find is that there tends to be this like settling in, right? Like, ah, there's less uncertainty, right? So you might see a little bit of that stress reduce, which is a big bonus, Um, And they also are able to, one, connect with the right specialist, you know, or even can work with their doctor to make more informed decisions about the right treatment for them, right? Maybe it includes certain medications in conjunction with lifestyle and diet, or maybe it includes surgery, you know, who knows, but having the diagnosis does help. Um, And then my favorite part of someone having a diagnosis is them not feeling like they're alone and now knowing that there's a community of people who understands what they're going through. And I find that to be the most powerful, um, you know, side effect of getting a diagnosis. Yeah. It was kind of like this feeling of like, Oh, like I'm not crazy. Like finally we have figured out Mm. what it is. (laughs) And it was like really 
For me, I felt like it was really empowering because I knew that there was a way forward. And I think that was also just Mm -hmm. my attitude of like, oh, no, we're going to figure this out. Um, And so I think (laughs) it like clicks and it's like really exciting. But it can be, I think, really lonely figuring out what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things I noticed, too, is a couple notes that I have that anyone listening is Mm -hmm. kind of going through this experience I want to take away is... If you feel like something's not right and you're not vibing with the doctor, you're not getting the answers, or maybe you're close to getting answers, but they want you immediately to go to medication and you want to try lifestyle nutrition first before adding in medication, like really take the time to find a good healthcare team and have a good relationship with them where you feel like you're being heard and you can talk to them and build a team around you too. having a a good dietitian. um, I know for me, I work with, um, a naturopath, an MD, they both practice functional med. I have like a health coach. I have a therapist. Like there's a team of people around me that support me. And so I just want to like really hone in on like finding that right team. Don't just pick the first one, you know, pick the best people to surround yourself with on that journey. And I will also say, this is not the financial or medical advice, I guess, but what I have personally found helpful (laughs) is to get the level of care that I value, I couldn't really go the health insurance Mm -hmm. route, unfortunately, because there's like very specific steps insurance wants you to do. And if you don't do it, they don't deem that necessary and they won't reimburse you. Mm -hmm. So I started, um, I got health insurance with an HSA so that I have, you know, pre-tax money set aside to do these things. Um, so that was also really helpful is kind of just understanding that my health and, and things are so important. I'm going to budget for this plan for this. And having that HSA has been really mm-hmm. helpful receiving the type of care that I value. Yeah. Mm, solid advice. Um, yeah. Solid. Man, I was going to say something and I totally blanked, which is a real drag. Um, dang, it'll come back to me. It'll come back. back. You make some really solid points though, Brooke. Um, Like the insurance, the realm of insurance is not really designed to help you overcome what you're dealing with. And so there's quite a few things that they won't reimburse for. And I remember working with the physician in Houston, I would get calls from insurance companies telling me that they didn't support my my care, right? Like what I was doing with clients. And this is a big reason I went into private practice and went into that cash-based approach is just because I didn't want anybody dictating my quality of care. Yeah. And I, I just know from my experience, right? There's few things in life I know to be true, but my experience is something that I can speak to very acutely. And so to, to call me and to say that X, Y, and Z related to diet and lifestyle don't matter, like get out of my <laughs> Right. <laughs> Yeah. Get out. <laughs> That's a you know? really good point. Yeah. It's also crazy. You know, mm-hmm. didn't even get me started on the system. Yeah. The insurance model <laughs> needs to get blown up. Absolutely. It's going that way for sure. Um, and, you know, I think you'll find this interesting. So, when I first started Revived Roots, I wanted to focus on asthma specifically until I realized I could broaden my horizons to autoimmunity. But I went into this um, like asthma and allergy clinic in Houston. And to speak with the doctors, I wanted to build a synergistic relationship and essentially offer my services for anyone who wasn't positively responding to medication, who maybe wanted to wean off. And they legitimately laughed 
rolled their eyes and told me nothing that I was saying could possibly be true. Even though I was like this living, breathing manifestation (laughs) of success in front of them, they were just completely invalidating my experience. And that put so much fuel (laughs) inside of me to just like rage forward. (laughs) Well, I think it's so difficult too because like, you know, we, we operate on a, on a base of like, like a a body of knowledge right and so it is difficult when it's like well we have like stats that and after tests that have been blah 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 that say like this shouldn't work but Mm. it's also a balance between like well you're an nf1 and like your experience is your experience and how you respond to something is is uh, very Mm. individual and so like that's why i think it's really important to have like brooks said like a team of people because if you're like well i'm an n of one and you're over here like quote unquote researching things it's like well you don't know how to read the research and you don't know how to like sift through Mm -hmm. things that like are and aren't real and so when when that happens yeah uh when that happens then it just like it just is what it is like you have to kind of take your experience and then listen to the other person and hope that hope that things go well you know Um, Mm -hmm. which is tragic but it's also part of that fighting and and advocating for yourself type thing so. mm-hmm. part of the process yeah unfortunately oh man part of the process and having a team like what a luxury i mean if you can really put together the resources because i did not have that right i was i never had anybody i didn't have any lab tests that i could run you know yeah. i was straight up experimenting when i got my hands on lab testing in 2011 my mind was blown, right? Like I ran so many tests on myself (laughs) and it was just fascinating. And I was like, oh my gosh, so much to work with, you know? Um, But yeah, I didn't didn't have the luxury of a team like that. And I just feel like if you want to have an efficient and effective, you know, uh, progress, then it's really helpful, you know, if you can can afford it, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's so many good resources now. Tests later, Mm -hmm. what are you looking at? Yeah. Like so many, you could shit in a cup and send it off and be like, what is this? <laughs> you know, how am I feeling? <laughs> like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut your hair, get blood samples. Like, and it gives you yeah. such a great picture of like what, what you're working with. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather shit in a cup than spit in one, but let's just. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Man. So like, what's a nugget of wisdom, Natalie, that you would have for someone if they do suspect that they have an autoimmune condition? Like maybe we overwhelmed them a bit with all the information of our experiences. Um, but like, what would be kind of a nugget of wisdom you would share of just, okay, I suspect something is going on. Now what, how can I move forward in a positive way? Yeah. Really good question. Uh, a candid response here is just trust your intuition first and foremost. Um, so if you believe something is off or you suspect something, like never give up on yourself, one. Um, and two, I would say like just take action. And it doesn't really have to be flip your life upside down, right? It can be very simple. We've been led to believe that health is complicated and in fact, it's really not. So just maybe identify one nutrition or lifestyle change that is realistic for you to implement right now and go for it. Um, and that could really be something like 
eliminating grains or other irritating compounds. It could be prioritizing um, adequate rest at night. It could be increasing hydration or even practicing deep breathing. So my advice would be to just pick one thing that you can build momentum with um, and allow that to kind of like snowball you into making other changes. And really, that really comes down to like the truth of the basics are the basics and you cannot beat the basics. Yep. Yep. Hammer them away. Yeah. 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 What are the red flags you would say of like, Ooh, this could be tied to something autoimmune. Like what are those things that you look for when you work (laughs) with someone? Oh geez. Do you have five minutes for you to list it out? (laughs) Yes. I'm just kidding. Uh, There are a collection of symptoms that we do see um, in common between different autoimmune diseases. And these can be things like fatigue or joint muscle pain, headaches, depression. But there are also some symptoms that can be used as early warning signs. So disclaimer here is that just because you have these symptoms does not necessarily mean that you're battling autoimmune disease, but it is a red flag that you should dig deeper, generally speaking, right? Um, So if I was going to list those out... Um, I would say things like if you're experiencing allergies, anxiety, depression, blood pressure changes that go up or down, digestive problems or really any GI symptoms for that matter, um, extreme fatigue, low blood sugar, memory problems, migraines, uh, muscle and joint pain or weakness. I'm so I'm going to finish this out. Uh, <laughs> rashes or other skin problems like acne, big one, um, recurrent headaches. Resistance to weight loss, thyroid problems, yeast infections, um, you know, unexplained weight changes, so on. So if you're experiencing anything that you would deem not normal, that is a red flag to dig a bit deeper or to make a change, right? And remembering that if you change even one thing in your environment, it's going to change your experience, whether it's positive or negative, but you just keep making changes until you figure out what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you preface that with like, Hey, just because you have this thing does not mean you have an autoimmune disease because like, I mean, like right now we just talked about how I'm on hella caffeine drinks to get through like <laughs> a really pivotal time in my life. And so it's like, yeah. do I have extreme fatigue? Yeah. <laughs> do I have memory <laughs> problems? A little yeah. bit, you know, like, do I have headaches? Yeah. But it's because I'm not drinking enough water, mm-hmm. you know, there's like things that I know of myself that I'm like, oh, I haven't done, mm-hmm. I haven't gone on my walk today. That's why I'm so stiff. That's why, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And, like I've been sitting for 10 hours a day. So it's like, of course I don't yeah. feel great. So, you know, I'm not going to instantly jump to like, I'm dying, yes. you know, <laughs> like my body hates <laughs> me or something. And totally. so I think uh, it was great that you prefaced that, but also like, you know, just the reality is that all of these things are red flags for something, right? Mm-hmm. And it's up to you kind of decide or to figure out why, like what that red flag is actually, is it just sleep? Mm-hmm. Well, we harp on like sleep, yeah. exercise, nutrition, but Big like- time. Yeah. Or is it something deeper? Yeah. Context really matters, right? Context really matters. And you can make changes. Like you can look at sleep and start, you know, addressing that. You can address exercise and um, start shifting your nutrition. And you're going to get changes somewhere. But um, this is where coming back to having a team or professionals who can help you really like look at your symptoms in relationship to the context of what you're in and help you really make decisions um, about what changes to make first that will be the most effective for you. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. One of the things I notice when I start working with clients too is 
they think a lot of this stuff is like they kind of discount it like well yeah I, I do struggle with these things but it's just normal like it's my normal it's normal yeah. it's normal <laughs> no it's common two different things yeah that's a big one. Oh, and you know what i do want to stress here um and you probably get this a lot uh brooke as well is just i really want to stress that symptoms are not abnormal yeah right this is very important um, they are your body's way of communicating with you that something is imbalanced and they are an invitation to tune in. So very often people think that experiencing symptoms means that they are broken. But I want to assure anyone that's listening that if you are experiencing symptoms like I just listed, that your body is working normally and it's working appropriately. Yeah. Right? And that has a lot to do with the fact that when your body – back up. Your body has two different nervous system responses. You have that sympathetic stress response and that parasympathetic rest, digest, reproduce, repair, right? Now, when you're living in a chronic state of stress, this is the perfect environment for disease to arrive. And so if you're experiencing those symptoms, one of the key factors can be that you're actually just living in that sympathetic response. Mm -hmm. And if your goal is to achieve clear skin, Ideal weight, high energy, smooth digestion, easy sleep, high sex drive, fertility, or even mood stability, then you're not going to achieve those by suppressing symptoms through medication. You're going to achieve them by like reorienting your life to live into a parasympathetic response as the majority of your experience, yeah. right? So most people are expecting these ideal outcomes related to a parasympathetic experience while living in a sympathetic state, and that's just illogical. Yeah. I, mean, I think it speaks – oh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think it speaks yeah. so okay. much to, like, just how much the stress, mental and emotional part plays a role. And I think this was the part – I'm just a stereotypical type A, R, D. Everything is structured and rigid, and I can follow a protocol. <laughs> and I didn't um, – mm-hmm. I don't think I gave enough credit to, like, no, I just need to slow down and rest and sleep yeah. and, you know, do these other things. And that was really honestly what made the biggest difference for me. It wasn't even necessarily uh, food triggers or like other specifics. It was like, no, you really just need to rest. Like if your body's telling you to slow down, yeah. slow down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that's probably true for majority of people. You know, it's, it's really just first and foremost, if the body, if you want the body to heal or to like exhibit a different response, it needs to feel safe, mm-hmm. right? You know this, it's like the body needs to feel safe. Well, how do we make the body feel safe? Well, get it out of a stress response where it's constantly on alert for a threat, (laughs) right? And the cool thing is that the way to instantaneously switch nervous system responses is through breathing. So deep conscious breathing will shut off the sympathetic and turn on the parasympathetic and you can't exist in both states simultaneously, right? So just by breathing deeply and consciously, you can actually access that parasympathetic response and there, that rest state, your body can do all sorts of magical things. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that yeah. I credit uh, <laughs> coronavirus with was, like, letting me sleep finally. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, like, I don't cool. have to do things. Okay. <laughs> now I could just sleep. So, like, <laughs> the first month, I was just, like, zonked. And I was like, this is the best sleep I've gotten in literally, like, a decade. Oh, I this love has that. been awesome. And obviously, like, 
my girlfriend hated it because she's like, well, I still got to go to work. And I was like, oh, have fun. I'm going to keep sleeping. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we choose to do what we choose to do. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like like Brooke said, so much of it is like and it's like stepping back because we talk about stressful states and like exercise mm. is a stressful state. It can be like yes. doing things that you yes. enjoy doing are also like stressful states. And so, 100%. you know, we have talked a little bit about like the the immune response but like it's it's all it's all like it all uh comes from stress right so like regardless of like what you deem stressful and like what your body deems stressful you're still going to have like an inflammatory response you're still going to have some immune response and stepping back and being like oh i love to do that so much but like i should i should probably relax Mm -hmm. is like a really really good thing and it'll save you in the yes. long run in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Stress by us is very subjective, but stress perceived by the body is quite objective. Oh, yeah. I love that. I like the way that was laid out. So let's talk gut health. I want us to talk about mm-hmm. just how big of a role the gut plays in autoimmunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a fun one. And I know you've really been getting more into running um, like different gut panels too, right? So you're having a lot of fun with this? Yes, I'm obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's fascinating. It's really fascinating stuff because, well, I think one, you know, we often don't associate diseases that aren't expressing in the gut as being related to the gut, right? Um, But let me explain. I guess I'll just dive in. So when we first talk about the the relationship between gut health and autoimmunity, I want to first talk about the role of the gut and then we can tie it together. So when we look at the gastrointestinal system, we see that there are two holes that are connected to the outside world, right? And so the mouth and the anus, and that really makes the inside of the gut an external environment. And this is really important to understand is that the gut is a barrier system. It is a barrier between the outside world and the inside of your body right? And the lining of the gut is really one cell thick, and it's, it's created by these enterocytes that are glued together by tight junctions. And within that, you have about 80% of the immune system residing on the other side of that barrier from the inside of the lumen, right? And the job of the gut is really to allow important nutrients to enter the body while simultaneously keeping everything else out. And this is what makes it a highly selective, semi-permeable membrane or barrier. Now, um, to tie these together, right, um, we can start to look at intestinal permeability or more colloquially called leaky gut, right? So having a leaky gut means that things can get across the barrier that are not supposed to be there. And this happens when either the enterocytes are damaged, right, the gut lining cells, or the tight junctions have become damaged themselves where, you know, undigested food particles or toxins or bacteria, bacterial fragments, pathogens, et cetera, can actually seep directly into the bloodstream. And there they encounter the immune system and that will elicit a response, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then that response can lead to generalized body-wide inflammation. And that can lead to symptoms or health conditions in really any organ system that is vulnerable. And I think that's a really important point right there is that you can experience multiple sclerosis 
but that ties back down to your gut function and the integrity of the barrier. And so when we look at, I guess I should say, a leaky gut is present and every autoimmune disease of which it's been tested. So this includes, I want to say, rheumatoid arthritis, um, ankylosing spondylitis, inflammatory bowel disease, so Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, uh, celiac, MS, and type 1. But in every single one of these that have been tested, we have seen that they do have permeability associated, and they also have dysbiosis, which is that imbalance of bacteria Mm -hmm. that lives within the microbiota inside the gut. So really, so far, what I've said is when we look at autoimmune conditions through a scientific lens, we see that the precursors to the pathogenesis of autoimmunity is gut permeability and dysbiosis. Yeah. And then that can lead into deficiencies and so on, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It's this huge yeah, cascade definitely paying attention. I think a lot, right? You're like, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think every single client I work and, with now, that's why I test the gut function because no matter what's going on, like I, I swear I'm convinced it's all tied mm-hmm. back to the gut. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so if that's your primary defense system, right? If you get a breach in the system, now everything is vulnerable, right? Like this is the, it's your surveillance system. It's like, this is, this is the barrier, you know? And so a breach is, it can be catastrophic, you know? It can be. But to really summarize that, it's like, you know, with 80% of the immune system being housed in and around the gut, the development of leaky gut can stimulate the immune system to go into this overdrive state, like over-responsive. And when you combine that with dysbiosis and nutritional deficiencies and genetic predisposition, and then the unfortunate yet common accident of autoantibody formation, that's where you really get autoimmune disease. Yeah. And so these panels that we're running are so powerful, like so powerful because you can see what's your degree of permeability, what's your degree of dysbiosis, what's your digestive sufficiency, right? And then pair that with a micronutrient panel and those two alone can provide you so much valuable information. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the really cool things and and tying back to what you're saying is like, uh, I think it's important to understand that like your body goes through waves of like pro-inflammatories and anti-inflammatories. Like that's how we heal. That's how we balance things. Mm -hmm. And you know, like I only know it in the context of like muscle damage. That's like really all I care about. (laughs) So it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know about whole inflammation, but with a lot Mm -hmm. of the things you see with like muscular dystrophy, it comes from like we have an increase in the pro-inflammatory system that's going to cause uh, satellite cells and muscle cells to do a certain thing. And then anti-inflammatory is going to cause it to do another thing. So they're going to differentiate. You're going to go through healing. And mm-hmm. in muscular dystrophy, what you see is like there is no healing. Like there is no shutting off of the system. It just kind of keeps mm-hmm. going. And so it's just going through this wave. And eventually your body starts to wear down. So you don't have those anti-inflammatories and so over Mm -hmm. time you become pro-inflammatory your muscles dissolve even more you get weaker you know that's how like people with that disease just slowly fade away essentially because they're not healing and so what you're saying Mm -hmm. in context of the gut is like yeah like you have a a scale that is weighed against you when you have leaky gut because all you're doing is like shuttling more and more 
pro-inflammatories and then your Mm -hmm. body has to work even harder and then like let's say your Mm. sleep is not great and your food is not great Mm -hmm. and your water is not great okay now that's even worse because now your gut becomes even sicker or less healthy less efficient and you're just going to pump more across the membrane and then it's going to get into your blood and you're going to get sicker and things like that so it's like just really like like you said, it manifests itself in different places. And so for me as like a, you know, muscle physiologist who's like, yeah, this is really all I care about. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you you can see where making those healthier choices plays a role in that because instead mm-hmm. of having that fine balance, like you're just like fighting a losing battle because your body's like, you were treating me like shit, so I'm going to do the same. Here you go. Here's all the stuff that you threw my way. I'm throwing it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got to work with it. Nah. I own it, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, work it belongs with it. to me. It should do what I, what I say it does. <laughs> and, you know, it's really interesting because it's like the body actually has systems in place. Like there are like – there's the regulatory leg of the immune system that keeps autoantibody formation mm-hmm. – in check, right? Like, okay, great. We have autoantibodies formed, but then it's going to be like, oh, hey, that's proliferating too much or it's getting out of control. We're going to shut that down. Now, when we look at micronutrient deficiencies related to nutrients that regulate the immune system, if we're deficient in any of those, right? Vitamin A, D, E, K, B12, folate, zinc, selenium, et cetera. If we're deficient in any of those, the first aspect of the immune system to get compromised is the regulatory leg. So now we have a deficiency and now we've lost our ability to regulate autoantibody formation or even activity, right? And then we keep compounding our exposure to toxins or food compounds or lack of sleep, et cetera. And that's that overdrive state where the body just like proliferates and really goes through this self-attack thing or like I would just call it confusion. But Yeah, I mean the neutrophils and macrophages can only take so much, right? And then, and then you're so like, much. just keep bombarding them. You're like, all right, we're done here, man. We're just gonna start attacking everything. Like that's essentially what happens, and it's it's terrifying. It really is. Hmm. Yeah. So Natalie, how do you work with autoimmune clients, and like, what's your goal of working with someone? What does that look like? Yeah. I like this question. So ultimately my goal, I'll start with that aspect of the question, is to, uh, one, help them reduce the frequency of flare-ups. We're not curing anything, but we are aiming to put their disease state into remission. Um, And I also, the biggest overarching goal is for them to become their own health advocate and to have the ability to talk with doctors in confidence or with confidence and to make decisions with relative ease that support their body. And really just to be able to tune in, listen to what their body is communicating with them, and to adapt um, based on the knowledge that they gain through our time working together. Um, And then in the realm of working, so I work primarily with people in a one-on-one atmosphere. So we're doing one-on-one coaching. If you are autoimmune, so I do have a couple who are not, but primarily the bulk is, we are going to use the autoimmune paleo protocol in combination with testing. So um, AIP, I guess I'll give a definition to it, is what I would call a very smart nutrition and lifestyle protocol rooted in science. So what we do is use literature and the realms of nutrition, digestion, inflammation, sleep, 
stress, and exercise to guide the recommendations. Um, so in AIP, we look at the nutritive value of food, but we also take into consideration compounds in food that undermine our system, and we build a protocol from that. So we take that, we do testing, and you get this very personalized approach, and then you add on the coaching for accountability, and that really helps clients you know, achieve their goals more efficiently and effectively. What are some of the things I'd like to test for? Oh, sorry. Sorry, what was your, I have stuff to add to that, but what was your question, Ro? Uh, Just like, what are some of the things that like you, you test for? Mm, Love this question. (laughs) Um, Okay, so testing. So baseline, I want to know what are your inflammation levels? So we're going to look at CRP, homocysteine, OxLDL. Um, I want to know what are your micronutrient deficiencies? This is again, if every, if you're just like, Hey, I have all the resources, right? Um, Micronutrient deficiencies, we look at a stool panel and overall cardiometabolic, blood sugar regulation, um, and thyroid function. I also look at genetic markers. So if someone doesn't want to do a saliva-based panel, we look at, through the blood, we can look at MTHFR status as well as APOE. Um, But if they are open to saliva-based panel, we'll run a nutrigenomic panel. That's 55 different SNPs um, that helps me really gear lifestyle components for that person. Um, and that's kind of like the the grand image there. But I do want to say that, again, back to basics, that I always encourage my clients to, one, do testing. And there are a few tests, like fundamental would be the stool panel and inflammation and micronutrient. But if you can't afford resources, like by all means, still work with me. We can make so many changes, you know, without that. And then we can use those as digging tools down the road if absolutely necessary. Yeah. Yeah, I know that like yeah. – um we talked about like insurance and stuff, like obviously being a mm. barrier to a lot of things. But like, mm-hmm. if I go to my doctor and I ask, this is assuming I have a doctor because I'm a grad student, so I don't, uh, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I go naturally like complete blood count, comprehensive metabolic panels. And like, like you said, C-reactive protein and stuff, like, can I still bring that to you and be like, look, these are the resources that I have. Like, do I need more testing 100%. or is it like, oh, we should do more testing of like, you know, the stuff that I do. Yeah. Really good question. So I encourage you to send me all of your labs within the past six months. Like I want to see everything more data, the better. Um, But one thing to note is that all of the tests I'm going to run are about 90% different uh, to what your doctor is going to run. And rarely, I mean, rarely, like one in 50 does someone show up with a crp value from the general doctor which is absolutely bonkers (laughs) even from rheumatologists i'm like you have a rheumatologist who didn't check your crp um but absolutely bring the labs that you have we can utilize those i can help to draw context again i believe most physicians are using outdated biomarkers and i'll be very candid with my clients about that um but i will you know use them to the degree that i can Yeah, I think that's like important because there are some people that are like, well, this is like what I can't afford. And my doctor gives me like, yeah. it's like, cool, you can ask them for more stuff. And if they say no, yes. they say no. But if they say yes, they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck you want this for, but here you go. And it's like, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Let me bring it to someone who might have a better understanding yeah. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the time I do this, I I will, even with new clients before they just choose to work with me, I'll say, hey, you know, here's all the labs that I would love to see from you that I know you can get from your physician so long as they approve it. And so having them show up with, hey, these are the labs that I want to run. Also letting them know that they're working with me and that I've offered to build a synergistic relationship. I want all of my clients' doctors to know that I'm open to conversation. 
and just connections so that we can provide the best care for that client. Um, so absolutely open to doing that too. And I'll even help clients really practice conversations if they have a challenging doctor. You know, it's like, okay, let's go ahead and do like a mock, you know, um, experience here where you can go in and you can you can have confidence to request what it is what we what we need, right? Um, yeah, I love that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then on top of that, because one on one is really like um, it's getting so backed up, honestly, and I want to be able to help more people uh, in like a quicker time frame. So right now, I'm working on creating a hybrid model of group coaching and. Um, automated videos. So it'll walk you through all of the, like as much information I could possibly give to you that you don't really get in these one-on-one calls. Like um, it's just here's so much information, you work through it. And then we have these hybrid calls on a weekly basis. So I'm in the process of creating that. And then also um, um, fingers crossed uh, that we will have our first retreat in the fall of 2022. Oh, neat. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yogis, yogis, a bunch so of woos hanging around. <laughs> Sounds like my <laughs> yeah, hell, Yeah, it's really an immersive. <laughs> no, I'm it's just like, kidding. There's that for sure. Um, Brooke, you would love it. <laughs> Bro, you might be like, get me the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> like, where's the booze? That's what I need. <laughs> it's all women. Um, oh, no, I'd love it. Yeah, yeah all right. it's all women. Um, but it's it's going to be it's gonna be cool. It's like a very like immersive experience. I um, I'm going to have a chef on hand and myself. And the idea is to really like let you have one-on-one experience with the chef. So that way you can build your confidence in the kitchen and oh, kind of cool. get this lighthearted experience around it. And then also as, um, as an attendee, you will have labs that are part of the package. So you will arrive and I'll have all of your labs printed out and you and I will have some one-on-one sessions to help you really put that into action. So I'm excited about it. It's going to be a really cool experience. Honestly, it sounds great. That sounds cool. Yeah. That's incredible. So how is the best way for someone to connect with you and reach out? Like if, if someone has questions about what you do, um, email, like Instagram, like where's your place mm-hmm. you hang out on the internet? Yeah. Uh, emails are great. So Natalie at revivedroots.com, And then on Instagram, my handle is revived underscore roots. Um, so I'm taking a little break from posting, but we'll be getting back to that very soon. And um, you can definitely reach me on that platform. Cool. Do you have a website? Yeah. Uh, I do, revivedroots.com. Okay. Cool. Just want to make sure. Yeah, thanks for asking. And we'll link all that up in the show notes too. Always. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, seriously. Like, I'm so glad that we connected and made time to talk. I think this is just scratching the surface of something that's so, so important. And uh, I love what you do, obviously. Um, So let me know if there's ever anything I can do to support. (laughs) Thank you. Nobody loves Yeah, thank you so much. Honestly, I'm just, like, so proud of you, too, for, like, seeing your business and how you've evolved with it. And she's blowing up. I just absolutely yeah she's killing it i just love like seeing other dietitians really but like take this power of functional medicine and like help more people and do it in a way that i find so meaningful so i just yeah i appreciate you for caring for like putting attention towards cultivating such a practice and for taking care of yourself amidst it i'd say you have really good balance or at least i know that you're trying to achieve that so yeah all in all i just really admire what you've got going on and i appreciate it Thanks so much. Thank you. Damn. Welcome to I the Broke West cool RDN is... podcast. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no. 
No, but I think what's so cool about RDs is like, we think, um, even I thought I got out of school and I was like, I can help people tell them what to eat. Um, and then I really like opened up freaking Pandora's box and I was like, Oh my gosh, like the impact that can be made, like, and we can (laughs) do testing and we can like do all these things. I'm like, Oh my God. So I've really just been like freaking out, like learning and absorbing like everything I can and integrating it into how I work with people. So Mm -hmm. it's been cool. Yeah. And not all dietitians will do that. You know, it's like, we are a small part of the population within that industry. So it takes like a genuine desire to like, to make a difference and to care and to not just do what you were taught in school and get into like, you know, an automatic flow with that. It's like, you got to constantly be learning and adapting and integrating and implementing. And it takes a very different type of person. So yeah. (laughs) I like it. It's good. And Ro, it's been so nice meeting you. Yeah, Thanks was, for like chatting great, with me and sure. the banter. It's been really yeah, fun. Yeah, I have like yeah. tons of questions. My brain is just in other places. So I'm like, man, we got to get together some other time and go through some, oh, I would like, love some it. deep stuff. I'd love that too. Uh-huh. Crazy. I would love it. Amazing. Anytime. <laughs> cool. Well, I will wrap this up with our always exciting little outro. <laughs> <laughs> So we are all accepting clients. Ro is our Jedi exercise master. He does all things performance. Nicole, who is unfortunately not here, but send her all the healing and well wishes. She will be back next time. She is intuitive eating, health at every size, and she's incredibly masterful at what she does. A lot of self-love and a lot of self-care is integrated into her practice. Um, I am a dietitian that specializes in sports nutrition, fueling for performance and integrating functional nutrition, especially gut health and lab testing. Definitely give us a follow at health unfiltered pod on IG. Keep those questions of the week coming and rate us, share us and only leave the nice reviews. You can send the mean reviews to Ro directly at his account, which we will link up in the show notes. (laughs) Um, Thank you all so much for listening. And I'm so glad that you are all here. Um, We are, we are here as a resource if you need us. So please reach out and we will catch you guys next time on that note. Ro, you want to take us out? Imagine. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay, cue that music. (laughs) Peace out, everyone. (laughs) Bye. See you next time.